to the Homemakers Club podcast. The Homemakers Club is a sisterhood of women who value the old-fashioned ways and traditions of making a house a home. As you listen in each week to conversation between myself and a fellow homemaker, it is my hope that you'll feel as though we are old friends and you're stopping by my home for a long-standing weekly tradition of sweet tea and sweet conversation. As good old friends do, we will celebrate the simplicities of ordinary days and come alongside one another to navigate the joys and hardships of homemaking. It is my prayer that when we say our goodbyes at the end of each episode, you leave with a heart that is enriched and filled with provision so that when you tie your apron strings each morning, you are joyfully ready to create a beautiful and fruitful life within your home. Grab a cup of tea and I'll meet you at the kitchen table. Hey everyone, welcome to the Homemakers Club podcast. Today I have my friend Abby Franz with me. It's just such a beautiful experience to meet like-minded women, and I'm just so grateful to have her with me today. She's a homeschool mama like I am. She just has a heart of gold, and she has some publications that I'm excited to talk with her later in this episode about that blesses the lives of women within their home for homemaking and motherhood, and I'm so excited to talk about that with her. But for now, Abby, welcome. Oh, thanks for having me today, Ashley. (laughs) It's been a long time coming, definitely. We've been talking about this for months. I'm so excited. We've both been so busy. I think it's just been, you know, we finally met up. It's perfect timing. (laughs) Yes, the life of a homemaker and mamas and homeschool moms. Just busy, busy. Okay, I would love for you to tell our listeners a little bit about who you are, where you're at in your homeschool and homemaking journey, um, so we could get to know you a little bit more. Sure. So I never started out thinking homemaking and homeschooling would kind of be my focus in life. I am a trained classical singer, so I spent, I don't know, like the first... 10 years out of college, kind of pursuing that life. And I was married at 27. So it was, I was doing that while I was married, but then we had our first child and I just did not want to go back to that life because it's on the road and away from your family. And I fell in love with being a mom and then kind of found homeschooling through that. And it's like, Oh, I can start, you know, teaching her at home and sharing my love of music with her. And it kind of spiraled from there. Um, as far as homemaking, I've always loved like home decor and stuff, but that is obviously not homemaking. And as you know, I kind of grew in the art of that. I was like, there has to be more to this, to creating an actual culture for our family. And I began to really dive deep into homemaking. My mom was not someone who like cooked or did that. I mean, she did out of necessity, but it was not like a love for her, which is fine. So that wasn't something I really got from her, but it was something I, I found on my own, you know, and then through meeting friends, both in, I use the term loosely real life and also through Instagram, (laughs) it kind of just grew from there. And it's been something I've been pursuing for the last seven years or so and just learning and really learning more about making systems and all that kind of stuff. (laughs) 
What do you think is the thing that you do the best within your home? I think I'm really good at making traditions for our family. And that comes from not being close to other family currently, although we are moving closer to other family Mm -hmm. soon, but we've moved around a lot due to my husband's job. And so I knew after we had children that I really wanted there to be traditions and a family culture that was something that they could be tethered to since it wouldn't necessarily be a physical building all the time. And so that's been something that I've worked on building for them. And that partially comes from homeschooling and is one of the reasons we homeschool, you know, so they can have that deep connection to the family. But, you know, also through just like silly things like pizza night every Friday and, you know, they know what to expect at Christmas. Like we have certain traditions that come along with our church traditions, but also are unique to our home. Mm-hmm. I love that. How do you go about building those traditions? Is it some, do you bring back old traditions from your childhood or do you find them online? Like how do you develop these beautiful things within your home that you hope create an anchor for your family to look forward to every year? How do you do that? So it's kind of a, mashup of things. A lot of this stuff has been something I've looked to culturally for our family. So my husband comes from a pretty strong German background and my side of the family has a lot of Scandinavian heritage in it as well. And so even though that wasn't something either of us were really raised with, like drawing in on those traditions, I have kind of sought after what are things we can put around the holidays or whether it be Easter or Christmas that we can do that maybe roots us back to those people in our past. And I think, yeah, it's been kind of a cool journey to figure it out. I know we're not talking about this, but we just made an autumn guide, Katie and I did. And one of the things we did was make cornhouse dolls. And even though that's not, I didn't think was a tradition (laughs) in Germanic culture or in Scandinavian, it actually is something that they do all across the world. They look look totally different depending on where you're from. So that was something cool to discover as well. That's awesome. Did you include that in the autumn guide? We kind of went with a very basic one because you're supposed to be able to do it with, you know, pretty little kids, Uh probably like four and up, at least be able to help them with it, you know. Um, But we included a few links to where you could learn more about the tradition based on if you want to learn about the Native American tradition or European backgrounds and things like that. Um, And so for my girls, we kind of talked loosely about it. My girls are five and two. So my two-year-old doesn't super care much about right now, whereas (laughs) my five-year-old is very into learning about, she's very, she's at that point where she's like, oh, people really existed in the past. That's so cool, you know, (laughs) and learning about different people. So making those, anyways, back to what we were talking about. No, I think this is great. This is great because including our children brings Mm. out the opportunity to teach them about our family backgrounds and our heritage and our roots. You're using it as a tool and an opportunity to have those discussions with your young children. I think that's beautiful. Yeah. And we tried to kind of, Katie and I, when we were making this guide especially, and I think as we go forward, because we plan on making more really kind of adding a little bit of history for everyone so they can maybe find 
their own backgrounds in there as well as sharing, you know, about other people's backgrounds too, because that's also important. It's so beautiful. I think it's like incredibly overlooked. I know like right now with ancestry and all these things, people are starting to kind of dig into it, but I think it's been so Mm -hmm. lost in our culture to even care really where we came from and how incredibly important it is to where we're going. So I love that you're taking the time to do that in your home and then teaching other women, inspiring other women to do the same. I think it's so needed and incredibly important for us to teach our children where they came from as well. That's beautiful. And what other traditions are you focused on as we get into the colder months? season is like ripe with tradition isn't it the best there's so much to pick into oh it's my favorite like yeah I think about things we're gonna do year round like Mm -hmm. as soon as Christmas is over and Advent is through and we're through like Epiphany and stuff I'm like what are we doing next year (laughs) right it is so um, enriching and all the homemakers said amen to fall (laughs) like we just love it I think we yes, have arrived we we've arrived it's time summer's too hot to do stuff so you know. yes <laughs> um but you know as fall for us is kind of like in our family we do just like simple things because our girls are pretty young still we do the apple picking and do pumpkin painting and things like that we don't carve them yet because my girls are not ready for knives right <laughs> <laughs> especially my youngest <laughs> yeah so, so we paint our pumpkins and then you know, Thanksgiving is kind of where we kind of start really diving in to the holidays around here. We don't put up our tree because we start at Advent with our Christmas stuff. But, you know, it's all about being with family. And I like to include historical stuff about Thanksgiving with my girls, too. I mean, that's the homeschooler heart. I'm mm-hmm. sure you're there, too. Yes. But yeah, and then Christmas, I have started to structure it a lot around Advent. And so, and with things that maybe the German or Scandinavian cultures might include in theirs as well. So we do like, either you call it St. Lucy's Day or Santa Lucia, depending on where you're from. And this year, the girls are kind of old enough where we're going to include more of the ceremonial things that you see throughout different cultures. Mm -hmm. And I'm excited about that. We have little, you know, we made little wreaths that they're going to wear on their heads and kind of do the bread and stuff too with them. And of course, St. Nicholas Day, we're Catholic, so we have lots of saints days we can, can <laughs> include if we want to throughout Advent. <laughs> um, we just have like even silly little things. Every Christmas Eve, we go to church, but then we decided a couple of years ago that we wanted to make a tradition of getting Chinese food on a Christmas Eve because we didn't want to have to cook because we cook a lot on Christmas. Yeah. And my husband and I, when we were really young and first married, we had like no food in the house. And for some reason, something had happened and we weren't like getting together with family that night. I don't remember what it was, but the only place open was the Chinese food restaurant, which is if you have Jewish friends, that's like where they go, you know, okay. on Christmas and <laughs> Christmas Eve. And I went to college at a Lutheran college, but the community surrounding it was very Jewish. And so I had nannied for families that were Jewish and it was like, oh, let's just go get Chinese food. And so that's kind of become something we do too. And so we order like, you know, 10 things off the menu and get lots of extra, you know, fortune cookies and stuff and make special little cocktails, not cocktails, 
more like mocktails for the girls, yeah. <laughs> like little Shirley temples and things. And so that's just become, you know, a little silly fun tradition we do and something they look forward to and talk about, which is kind of what you want. You know, it's making those like making marks in their memories mm-hmm. that they'll be able to pull from. And they might not know everything around it because they're little, but it'll be something that they can always look back on. And I think that's that's what tradition building is. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I knew before being a mother that that was something you had to be very pointed in making, you know, you had to decide that you were going to build a tradition. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just going to happen. Mm-mm. It's so. definitely, I think it's such a heart of a homemaker to reflect on these things. And like you're saying, even like the Chinese dinner on Christmas Eve, making something little feel so big and so beautiful and Mm -hmm. intentional. What do you think that is? It's kind of like a golden thread within the homemaking community that women either are doing it or they're desiring to learn how to do that and put it into play in their homes. What do you think it is about the homemaker's heart that has that desire to put that into their homes? Hmm, I love that question. I'm sure it is different for everyone, although I'm sure there's like a similar strain, you know, that goes with it. I think a lot of it is, is when you build a home, not literally, but when you're building a home for your family, you want them to see it as home, right? Mm -hmm. And if you don't have like those traditions and things, it's just going to be a place you come, even if it's people you love, you know, But when you have traditions within your family, it really binds you together. So beautiful. So we're talking about traditions, and and I guess maybe it's not the correct word to use, but throughout the day, just on a daily basis, do you have certain things you do regularly most days? I had recently talked to a friend of mine who I was like, I don't know what I do all day. Like, I just have... I just go, go, go all day. Like, what am I doing every day when I'm home all day with my children? And my friend was like, well, why don't you look at what you actually do during the day, like your rhythm and your routine, and you'll probably find Mm -hmm. that you actually have highly consistent days and very productive days, but you just see it as like all day you're just doing the home and the children and the meals and the cooking and the cleaning. And I, when I did, I did do that. I sat down and I kind of assessed what I do on a daily basis. And I found that we actually do have almost like daily traditions. There's things we do every day. Mm. Walk us through your typical day. Sure. And I think rhythm is like just a beautiful way to put it because rhythm can change like it and Oh, you're musical. You're musician. Yes. Yeah. As a musician, rhythm changes even throughout a piece, you know? Mm -hmm. So it doesn't mean, I mean, there's a constant flow to it, right? Mm -hmm. But it can change. It can go faster. It can go slower. And that's kind of how our life is. But there's always going to be a point that it comes back to. Right. Um, And you could skip a beat. Like you, you would know because you're a musician. I would have no idea that you skipped a beat. Yeah at all okay go ahead yeah Sorry. you would yeah you you feel you definitely feel it. no 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 you definitely feel it and it's something that once you know it's gone awry and I think this is true in life not just with music it kind of makes you feel off 
but that's okay because you can get back to it if you know what your rhythm is, right? Mm -hmm. And if that's your grounding. So for our family, and I, I was just talking to Katie about this, like how it just feels like it's changing. Like you get it down and then it all changes again, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. We start off our mornings though and have for, I mean, okay, my daughter's, my oldest is five, almost six. And we started doing morning baskets when she was like one because mm -hmm. I fell in love with the idea of homeschooling. And I was like, oh, I'll try doing morning baskets. And I think it was Pam Barnhill's podcast, My Morning Basket or something that I found at that point. Now it's kind of become our own little thing, but we always do breakfast, we read, you know, the Bible, we read maybe a fairy story. And now that we're kind of schooling more intentionally, we include maybe geography and history in there too, and kind of throw in art or whatever, you know, is up for learning that day, not math or anything like that, <laughs> more of the uh, humanities, I guess, <laughs> than anything else. But after our breakfast time, we either will do that at the breakfast table or we will kind of start there and then move into one of our other rooms so the girls can kind of tinker around with stuff while we're, you know, also going through, you know, reading because they're still at the age where, you know, they like to move around and I'd rather have them moving around on the floor than climbing on the dining room table, which happens more often than that. <laughs> not the not the five-year-old but the two-year-old yeah, right but we had that's like our main point during the day and I feel like once I hit that like and it goes smoothly <laughs> that we kind of have started off well and we have lunch usually at a certain time and then our afternoon is usually spent outside or doing some kind of art activity and I have found recently that planning out my crafts and art with the girls, not that are related to school, but things that are just for fun has been super helpful for me because I have so many ideas mm -hmm. <laughs> that, you know, sometimes things go by the wayside or you forget about them and you have these like art supplies just sitting off in a corner somewhere <laughs> that you're like, why do I have these here? And we might do baking in the afternoon too, just something that pulls us back together. We don't, I try not to do a ton of television with the girls but they do watch like little shows they might do like a 20 minute time while I'm preparing food for them or something like that my two-year-old is very mama centric and has been since she was born so sometimes you know you're at the stove and the gas is on and you're just like I can't have you right here yeah <laughs> she wants to touch everything so I've kind of had to learn to let go and be okay with letting them watch, you know, a cute little show instead of feeling bad about it. Right. Because we don't live near family and a lot of the things that could get done if you had like your mother nearby to come watch the kids for a day are things that I just have to figure out how I'm going to do, you know, throughout the week. And that was kind of my draw, I think, into learning how to be a homemaker. Because, you know, as you always say, Ashley, like it, it is an art and it is a skill, mm. you know, and I think like you really have taught women and are trying to just teach people how that is an art and a skill. It's not just something that happens, mm -hmm. you know? And I think people in our generation and maybe even our parents somewhat, they, that isn't a skill that's taught very much, mm -hmm. you know, it's not something that's passed down. So even if you had a mother that was, a great cook or a great 
cleaner. <laughs> it's not necessarily something they pass down. And, but, you know, I think about my grandmother and that was something that she just innately did. And, you know, her house was, I mean, obviously she didn't have small children in it, but her house was always organized and put together in a way where you knew how to find stuff. And I think that's just because that generation it was so important to them mm-hmm. to not only have a pretty home, but have a functioning home that you could really live out of. And I feel like we're slowly getting back to that. I really think so too. I think so many women are starting to kind of have this idea that something's missing in our culture and, and an awakening and understanding that what's probably missing is home. And so how do you run a functional, productive, fruitful home? Well, you have to be alive within your home. Basically, you have to be home to run a productive home. And that doesn't necessarily mean full time. I have friends who work outside of the home. And then when they come back in, they're very fruitful and productive within their homes. But unless you tend to something, it doesn't grow. And... And it takes a lot of skill and organization and intention to make a house a home. And so I definitely want to teach women how to do that. There's some really exciting things that I'm looking to do in this coming year that'll go into the education side of the how-tos, not just the heart tendings, but the how-tos. And We'll, we'll see. I'm praying a lot about it, and I'm grateful to have such a big, beautiful community of women that I know would love to share their hearts in the house as well, because I definitely don't have it all figured out by any means. But um, <laughs> if you look at a garden, sure, you can plant some seeds and sprinkle some water, but you, don't, you can't just walk away and expect to have a big, beautiful garden that you're going to have this harvest. Like. No. I don't even know how to garden, and so I'm starting small. I have my four tomato plants that actually did well this year. I think (laughs) it was the weather. I don't think it was me. I got lucky, but you have to weed it. Like, imagine that. You have to take the bad out. It's the worst, right? Yes. (laughs) The weeding. Yes. If you look at a garden and you look at your home, it's very similar. Nothing grows from an empty well. Sally and I were talking about that on the last podcast as well. You can't water a garden from an empty well. You have to fill that watering can with water. So we have to tend to our own selves first to be able to nurture our families and our homes. It's incredibly important, probably one of the most important things we can do. And then you plant the seeds That's what you're doing in conversation within your home. You're setting traditions, like you were saying, are so incredibly important. Daily traditions like meals around the table. That's probably the first thing I would recommend anybody doing. If anyone's like, how do I start making my house a home? I would say go to the table. Absolutely. Would you agree? agree. Would that be the first thing you would say, like, probably one of the most important Definitely. things. And it doesn't have to be a fancy meal. I mean, no. honestly, if you're not a great cook or you're learning, like put some soup on, sit down with your kids, make macaroni, make chicken nuggets. It doesn't have to be fancy. And I feel like because we're so centered on 
social media and the way things look, a lot of people are more afraid to step into that arena of here's a dinner I made for you because you have this idea that it needs to look a certain way, mm-hmm. but who's seeing it? Unless you're taking a picture of it, no one's seeing it except you and your family. And what they're seeing is, look, I have dinner prepared for me or I have lunch prepared for me and my parents or parent want to spend time with me and be here with me, you mm-hmm. know? And getting out of our own way is huge because we often picture in our mind how something is supposed to go. And I know for me, because I come from this musical and theatrical background, I love like planning out like this will happen and then this will happen. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, here's a scene of how this is going to play. And it's going to be grand and beautiful. It's going to be beautiful and grand. There'll be flowers everywhere. <laughs> and I, you know, God has been, you know, working on me for years to be like, that's not what it needs to be. It might be that some days, but it doesn't have to be that. And just being there for your family. And I think preparing a dinner or a meal for your family is a huge, like a huge offering to them like a huge sign of love, even if it is just the chicken nuggets you put in the air fryer, right? Mm -hmm. Because you took the time to think, okay, let's sit down. And maybe the meal lasts five minutes because you have toddlers who don't want to sit at the table, want to crawl around. And that's okay because you still took that time to sit there and it will slowly become something they want to do and something they want to be part of because that's how a tradition is made is through repetition. Right. And that is home like that. This is your season right now. You have little, my children are nine and 14 and then I have a stepdaughter who's 17. So we've been, we've gone through the whole, I mean, we're in the thick of it now with older (laughs) children, but it, it, home never changed. The way it looked was Uh definitely different back then where there were yeah. plenty of meals where my husband and I sat at the table and the littles back and forth, come for a bite, run off, come for a bite, run <laughs> off. And that's just yeah. where we were. That's what we did. But we sat together and we yeah. always made an intention to sit together for the meals when he was home. If he's not home, then it's just the kids and I. But I think that the table is the heartbeat of the home. Last night, I actually ran into a really good friend of mine who she has children who are grown. I think her youngest one is a sophomore in high school and she is very much in the business world she's a real estate broker she's go 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 but I admire her because she's probably one of the busiest women I've ever met in my life in the most productive in the professional world but she has done an outstanding job raising her children like I look at her children and I'm like how did you do that these boys she has all boys like they are productive adults they are raising families they're they're just amazing and so last night I ran into her actually we had pizza last night and I ran into her at the little pizza place and I was asking her her thoughts on time management with business and raising a family Mm because here I am now unintentionally in the homemakers club and in the thick of it and trying to learn a new way of doing things and she said something that I my head almost exploded she said Ashley it's not quantity time it's quality time and mm-hmm. and she goes so your time in your home it it's not so much how much time you spend within your home it's the quality of time you spend in your home that's how I do this and I'm like right. what like 
my I like my head almost that. exploded. It's not quantity time, it's quality time. So you could very well be home all day, every day, but on your phone. And that's yeah. not homemaking. No, it's not. Like I took a step back from Instagram this summer and kind of still am. Not because I felt like I wasn't doing stuff in our home, but because I thought I can be spending even more time with my girls and doing things throughout our house that need to be done and not like feel the need to be on this, Mm -hmm. you know, because it wasn't necessarily that I was scrolling through things. It was like, and you know how this is, you're checking to make sure the post you did is, you know, being seen by the people you want it to be seen by. And, you know, especially if you're like sharing a product or something like that, you're trying to make sure it's, you know, being shared and you have other people you support who you're friends with that you want to make sure you're supporting them. And then even just doing those little things that you think, oh, it'll take 20 minutes. It takes so much time out of your day. And it definitely, I know you've taken a big break before and it changes everything. I think when you give yourself time away, because then you realize, okay, that that's not, even though it is part of your life, because you do have real friends on there, Mm -hmm. you know, and you have real people you connect with. It's not your life you know, that's just like a small glimpse into what you do. Mm -hmm. And I think it's hard because it is a business for some people. Um, But finding that break between them is so important. So like what your friend said is huge because maybe for us, it's like, yeah, we have that quality time at home, but then we also have the quality time if we're using, Mm -hmm. you know, Instagram or whatever it is that is your chosen app you use it and do the things you need to do. And then you're done, you know, you, and I'm sure that's what she does for her work too. Mm -hmm. She's like, I get my stuff done and then I'm done with that, you know, and then moves on to her family. That's exactly what she said. Um, She said she, I mean, she works a lot. She's incredible. And then she, she also has a little homestead. Like, I'm like, how do you do all of this? Like she's got the cow (laughs) and she's got babies and like baby animals during the spring. She had a a little calf and in this beautiful garden, she does so much. And then she raises these incredible boys. Her husband owns a business. They are very busy, but that's what she said. She says, I work when I work and the rest of the time I don't I don't even know where my phone is. I don't touch it. I My whole purpose and point is to be intentional in the home. And it just, it was so life-giving to me to understand that. But you were talking about Instagram as a tool. And one thing, so yes, a lot of us are using it as an opportunity to market our business or whatever we're doing. But the friendships that I have made within Instagram world is so life-giving because I have, that's why I started the Homemakers Club. I'm like, surely there's someone else out there that cares so much about home, tradition, marriage, family, children, like I do. And because my, my inner circle at the time, two years ago, I had great friends and family who cared about that, but everyone else, everyone was working outside of the home. So during the day I was isolated, Mm. like I can't pen pal text anybody because they're at work and I don't want to disrupt their day. And so I started the homemakers (laughs) club. So I love being there because now I have, I joke with my husband, I'm like, I have like 
a hundred thousand best friends, which, which not really, but I could, I know at any point I can message probably most of them and I'll have a friend to talk to. Right. But one thing I have learned that has blessed my time incredibly is I've exchanged phone numbers with some of the women that I continuously log on to yeah. Instagram to message about just life in general or share recipes or whatever we've exchanged phone numbers so now I I go I lean more towards texting them or calling them on Mm -hmm. the phone so I can be doing my laundry or tending to the garden things I actually need and want to be doing but I have a friend to call and that has been incredibly impactful on my timeliness within my home as well so I'm not scrolling but I can still access my dear friends that way yeah I've done the same thing and it really makes those relationships blossom too in a way that they can't when you're on Instagram you know that was kind of the same reason I started getting on there it was more for homeschooling at first because I was on there a little bit as a musician but the way Instagram worked then you didn't have videos so you couldn't do much right (laughs) as a musician on there but when I started, when I was at home with my little one alone, and then we started doing homeschool stuff, I was trying to, you know, find different ideas and things like that. And I wasn't on there a ton, but then, I don't know, I started sharing our crafts and stuff and it just became more and more. But then, you know, when you make good friends who have similar you know, goals to you and similar likes. I think that's huge. We kind of, because we've moved so much, I have my good friends from college and from, you know, home, but they don't live close to us. And we have friends here, but, you know, we live in each place for maybe four years. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So those are not necessarily like lifelong friendships, even though they're great people, you know, and even though they're people you do love, they're not people that necessarily who know everything. But with women I've met through Instagram, those women, even though they might not live close to me, they have become so dear. And they're people that I can, it's almost like pen pals. Yeah. Like I was, Katie and I talk about this all the time. We've actually never met in person because she lives in Minnesota and I live on the very far east side of Pennsylvania. And, you know, we're like pen pals from like the old days, like in the 1940s where you might've written someone who lived like in Austria or something, but you write forever and ever with that person. And we do plan to actually meet in person soon, but it's just funny because you can find very kindred spirits through Instagram if you go about it the right way. And I think it's very beautiful. It is so beautiful. I love it. I have a few friends that I'm like, when we hug someday, like, well, and I feel like it's going to be like, Mm -hmm. it's like a sisterhood. Like I know that I'm going to meet so many of my friends through the Homemakers Club. I'm in real life someday, and I feel like it's just going to be like this beautiful family reunion because we've all kind of connected on a really beautiful, deep level, and we all have this heart for home. And then there's some that you just message more frequently. So you met Katie on Instagram, and you're hoping to meet soon. But together, in person, person, you will. I know you will. Yeah. Together, you've produced two publications. Three. 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 Okay. 
We did. Yeah, we did three. Yeah, we released an Advent one last year, and that was kind of our yes. dipping our toes in. Okay, I forgot about um, the Advent one. And then we did the homemakers one. And so Katie and I are both photographers too. Mm-hmm. And that's how we kind of like first met was like, oh, I love your photography. It's so beautiful. <laughs> you know, <laughs> how do you do this? And like, you know, exchanging tips about photos. And then we both found we loved you know, we're both Catholic and we're both like, we have our children and we're both homemakers. And so we connected on so many levels, but we were both going through like the same thing of learning about homemaking around the same time and really dipping our toes into there and like just going all in. And, and we both love crafts and stuff. So our advent guide was really focused around a little bit of tradition crafts, and then some little mini school lessons for little ones Mm -hmm. that you kind of do as a morning basket. But then we were talking and we decided, you know what, like, even though we are not (laughs) by far like the most professional homemakers in the world, and we still have so much to learn, we do have things that we'd love to share with people who are maybe just a few steps behind where we are Mm -hmm. to make homemaking seem accessible to, you know, people who are just starting out and doesn't necessarily mean people who are young or married. It means people who are just starting out and learning about the art of homemaking. That could be anyone. It could be your mother. Amen. (laughs) It could be anyone. It could be a man. It doesn't matter. The prick on the heart. Exactly. So we did, you know, we came together and we're like, well, what, what are our best practices in our homes that we can put together? Mm -hmm. And We wanted to create a guide that was both helpful, but also beautiful. And so our goal is to create something that's pleasing for your eyes to look at, as well as like just nourishing for your soul and can help you grow. Mm -hmm. So our homemaking guide includes very simple things like creating a daily routine, creating a menu, capsule wardrobes. And then we included a little bit about, um, I hear my little girl coming up the stairs. Hang on just a second. Fine. Hey, Julia. <laughs> hi. Can you say hi? You could sit hi, on your actually. lap. Oh, you're fine. <laughs> hi, pumpkin. You found your I'm mama. So... You want to sit with me for a minute? She can, can sit with you. Yeah. This is a family affair. We're good. It's a family affair. We're good. <laughs> All right. Can you say hi? Say hi. Hi. Um, so I guess with the homemaking guide... You know, it includes stuff about children (laughs) and, you know, creating routines for your children as well as, you know, just little activities you can do around your home to make it easier on you as a a parent or someone that might have children in their home. So there was a little bit of parental things in there, although we didn't weigh super heavy on it because not everyone has kids and that's okay. So it's just like little tips about cleaning and things like that. And we're hoping to do um more later to expand upon it but it's just kind of a starter guide for you know people who are interested in homemaking and feel overwhelmed by everything that's out there it's kind of all in one place that's beautiful and it highlights what things you do well what things katie does well not all of us are great at everything and so you shared the things that you're you feel like you're doing pretty well that you have something to share with other women and vice versa with Katie. I'm mm-hmm. excited to, I'll include the link of course mm-hmm. for this, for all of 
the homemakers that are listening so they can access it. And then we did talk about getting into the traditions of fall and winter, and you just released an autumn guide. So let's hear a little bit about that before we wrap this up. Sure. So the autumn guide was very simple. It was kind of just something we wanted to put together because we both love autumn so much, mm-hmm. <laughs> probably because we both live in colder climates. So I know it's, the snow is coming. Yeah, you know? same here. Coming. Same but, here um, in Idaho. We included, <laughs> oh, I forgot you were in Idaho. We're in northern Idaho. <laughs> my grandparents lived in Idaho. It's cold. <laughs> we have very long winter. winters. Yeah, to... very long winters. Yeah. Okay, so your autumn guide has activities you can do with your children. Katie really focused on this because she loves, loves, loves taking little adventures with her kids. And so she talked about different things you can do with apple picking and things like that and what you can do after with those apples that you pick. And then we did a lot of crafts and then we have some recipes in there. So it's very simple, just fun things to do with your children or as a family. And once we put the guide out, we each try the other's recipes and activities. (laughs) So we both love doing that too. But yeah, we, we just hope it's something that people can find inspirational. And again, it kind of puts everything in one place as opposed to having to go to Pinterest and find how do I make a, like a corn husk doll is one of our things. And then what do I do to make it? It gives all the examples in there and gives you kind of the tools to use. But then it also, you know, on the next page shares a fun recipe that you want to make with your children or with your spouse. So I love it. (laughs) I'm excited to get my hands on that as we're getting into the colder months. The trees are starting to turn. And so I've been thinking about the things I want to do. So you live where it's, you you have long winters. It is. Okay. Not always snowy anymore it used to be but the climate has changed a little bit so sometimes we get lots of snow like two years ago we had like three feet of snow for months and months and then last year we had no snow but you know very frigid temperatures so I don't know what I prefer but right (laughs) it is cold (laughs) I feel like if it's going to be cold there needs to be snow like make it worthwhile a little bit Right. And then the children can go out. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) A couple episodes ago, Lana Stenner and I were talking about long winters. And I'll I'll wrap this up with a little bit of wisdom she shared on that as we all head into the longer fall and winters is that they make a list of traditions or things they'd like to do during the long seasons to give them something exciting Mm -hmm. to look forward to. And so that's where I am right now is kind of doing that. So I'm excited to get my hands on your autumn guide to start creating and scheduling things that we can do throughout the winter. And our families also decided that we're going to each find something to learn during our colder months this year. And so I'm doing sourdough. I've murdered it a million times. I've neglected it. I've never (laughs) been successful, but I am going to this year. And my husband and son are learning how to tie flies for fly fishing. My little girl wants to learn the ukulele. So that's another thing that I think. I love it. Doing these sweet little traditions like you and Katie are sharing with the world and then maybe looking at something to learn during the colder season is a little tip for for all the homemakers. I think that's perfect. It reminds me of the children's story, The Ox Cart Man, mm-hmm. how they spend their winters creating things to sell. They're probably not going to be selling them, but I recently read that book to my girls 
And I noticed at the very end when they were creating things, everyone's activity that they were doing had just kind of grown from, you know, the little girl was doing embroidery and now she was making something else. And the little boy was kind of carving things and now he was making something really big. And it's just, it's really, I think, such a cool tradition that you're making for your family because creating things together and making those skills, you never know what can happen. Exactly. And I feel like, isn't that just a little beautiful aspect of homemaking? Like we're just doing this life together and growing and learning and living well under our roof together. And that's what, to me, that's what makes a house a home. Oh, you couldn't put it better. I love it so much. Well, Miss Abby, thank you for joining me and your little one. For anyone who's listening, Abby's little two-year-old just joined us on the podcast. So if you hear little voices in the background, this is a family affair. And actually, so I'm smiling ear to ear. I got to see her little girl. And we're all in this together. And so I'm... Hi. Anyways, Abby, thank you for joining me today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure talking with you. Looking forward to the next one. (laughs) Bye, little one. Thank y'all for being here and for the work you are doing within your homes and sharing home with the world. I believe with my whole heart that every day, the more we share home and the art of homemaking, we are upholding the way in which home was intended to be productive, fruitful, and beautiful. Though your days may seem ordinary, little by little, you are building something quite extraordinary. Keep up the good work, my friends. If you haven't already, I encourage you to join our sisterhood on Instagram at wearethehomemakers for daily encouragement and fellowship. And of course, subscribe here as well. We are the homemakers gathered for good. See y'all next week. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Candy Apple Advocacy, the podcast for parents who want to advocate for their children's education. I'm Jim Mallard, and I'm here with my wife, Tabby. We've been through the trenches of raising kids in the school system and know how tough it can be. But we also know how essential it is to advocate for your child and their education. That's why we started this podcast, to share our experiences and insights with other parents to help them become more effective advocates for their children. On this podcast, we'll talk about everything from general education, general school advice, the school choices you have available to you, different education styles, individualized education plans, 504s, and all those key terms that you've heard but don't know what they are. We'll talk to experts. We'll also talk to parents and hear their stories. We'll share our stories with you and give you tools you need to be a strong advocate for your child and yourself. Whether you're a new parent, or have been in the game for a while, we invite you to join our community. Let's advocate together. Welcome to the Wellness Driven Life Show, your gateway to a new dimension of wellness. Featuring discussions with world-renowned experts, pioneers, champions, and professionals. Experience high-end production, sophistication, and easily applicable tips and tricks for everyday life. Your journey to wellness, it starts here and it starts now. Tune in to the Wellness Driven Life Show and become a part of the evolution of driven living.